I'm Russell Mills, and this is KRMG In-Depth, the podcast. Thanks for listening. You've likely heard or read about a massive infrastructure bill proposed by the Biden administration. And if so, you're likely aware the Oklahoma congressional delegation has what we could call deep concerns about the two and a quarter trillion dollar bill. Congressman Frank Lucas is the dean of our delegation. He served the third district literally since it was created in its current form in 2002. He represented the sixth district, which no longer exists for several years before that. So I thought I'd pick his brain on that massive bill. Let's take a listen. Here's our conversation unedited and in its entirety. All right, you got it. Electrons are spinning, and I understand our time is limited, so I reckon we'll jump right the heck in. So my understanding is what's on your mind right now, there's a lot going on in this country, right? But some things, oh, absolutely, Russell. some problems are eternal and uh, still will be there long after pandemics and political upheavals are gone, and specifically I'm talking about infrastructure. And uh, here in Oklahoma, we've seen crumbling bridges and highways and stuff for years. The state's been doing playing catch-up ball and doing a pretty darn good job of it here in recent years. Nationally, not so much. Uh, what, what are you thinking, and what are we doing? Well, Russell, I would tell you that since the, the first highway bill I voted for in 1995, we've done an amazing job of using the federal trust fund matched with state dollars on roads, bridges, uh, uh, airports, uh, the navigational systems we have in eastern Oklahoma. Now we're around to the point in time where it's to time to talk about where we go next. And that's the challenge coming from the uh, the Biden administration. They want to spend $2.25 trillion, not billion, $2.25 trillion on their version of uh, infrastructure. They've got a big focus on social justice. Uh, they've got a big focus on climate justice, as they like to put it. My big problem right now, and this is still a process that's ongoing, and it may take months for the final bill to come together, but if you look at what actually goes to bridges, waterways, seaports, uh, even things like broadband, I mean, you're talking about mm, 13, 14, 15 percent of the bill. The rest of it goes to a variety of these other things. So I think that will change before we get to the final bill. It has to. I mean, you can't spend 40% on social goals when you're supposed to be building bridges and roads and airports and seaports, that sort of stuff. Uh, part of the package as it now stands is the Biden proposal to raise the corporate income tax rate from 21% to 28%. That's a permanent tax increase, even though the infrastructure bill is for a period of time. So we've got to work through all those kind of things. I appreciate and I have consistently voted to make sure we have the best infrastructure because that makes the economy more efficient. But the Biden proposal is a starting place, and right now it's more stuff than it is infrastructure. <laughs> stuff is I, I it sounded like you were speaking euphemistically but i'll i'll leave that one hanging there so my understanding is that you and and several of your uh fellow republicans including i believe mr cole and i'm not sure if if any of the other guys are on there i didn't read through the whole list but you guys are you guys sort of have an, another plan in mind and the builder act am i right so Building U.S. Infrastructure Through Limited Delays and Efficient Reviews Act. I love the acronyms. There was always such great acronyms in Congress. Um, is that a thing? Is that a substitute well, for what, what Mr. Biden would like to do? Is it in I addition? Would acknowledge, 
to you. There will be all sorts of alternatives put together. I don't be surprised if the Transportation Committee, Republicans have an alternative. I don't be surprised if a number of other committees do. My appropriation friends, such as uh, uh, Congressman Cole, who's a very senior Republican on the Appropriations Committee, will be part of that effort. I just know that the Biden proposal, in its present form, isn't going to become law. Uh, and before this process is over with, sometime this summer end of the fall, and they'll probably roll infrastructure into the next so-called budget reconciliation bill, this giant spending bill that will fund everything in the fall. We'll see where they come out. But at this point, what they're offering isn't going to get there, so I hope they'll work with my fellow Republicans so we can get something that a majority will support uh, that we can get through and we can get going because potholes need to be fixed, Bridges need to be made stronger. The economy needs to be made more efficient. Uh, and those jobs that go along with that would be good for everybody. But we're at the starting phase. Well, there's a very old saying, sir, you know, potholes don't vote. So <laughs> That's exactly right. But when you bounce your car into a pothole, you do vote. <laughs> right. And, and so I guess that, that's my way of getting to the, is there any hope for some sort of bipartisan approach here question? Oh, yes. There's always hope in the legislative process. You see, right now, while uh, some of the national media like to talk about the big Democratic landslide in the fall of November, fact of the matter is the United States Senate is 50-50, 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. Vice President uh, Kamala Harris has to come vote every morning to make Charles Schumer of New York the majority leader. In the House, where we were already in the minority as Republicans, and many pundits expected us to lose 25, 35 seats, we picked up 13 seats. Yep. We're actually within three seats of the majority. Now, they've got a couple special elections to fill, but the difference will only be five seats after that out of 435. So nobody's going to bully the other side into doing something. These kind of bills are going to have to require what I refer to as consensus. If it's going to happen, uh, then you've got to work it out, and we'll see. Uh, I know the president at 78 feels like he's on a short timeline, uh, but – it's his responsibility to drive his administration to work with his majority so that we can all come together on something that, that, that a majority that uh, can support and will be good for the country. That's leadership at the White House. So and this is a discussion I was having with someone a couple of days ago, which is it's hard to sit down and come to a consensus when you're living in like separate universes with separate sets of realities. Okay. You just touched on the challenge right now in the in the nation's capital, in Congress, for that matter, United States Senate. We have a number of my colleagues in the House who are very intense to the left and a number who are very intense to the right. They go to the corner and scream every day at each other. They're the ones who appear on the national political talk shows. It's exciting. It's invigorating. It's infuriating sometimes. But they're not getting it done. It's those of us who are in the rational part of the spectrum, who've got to get the people's business done, and I think we can. Again, I'll never make the left hardcore right happy. I'll never make the hardcore right happy in the United States House. My job is to make the voters of the 3rd District of Oklahoma happy, and that's what I'm working on every day, and I think that's doable. It's just it's more difficult now than it should be or it has than it has been in the past. So quantify for me how many folks on the spectrum are in that that middle gray area that are that we can work with. Like if you if, well, if you go ahead. If, if there are 435 of us, okay. if you look at the regular attendees on Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow, you're probably talking 50 or less. So that leaves 350 members 
who are, I think, uh, trying to work on behalf of their districts. Uh, there's pressure from leadership on both sides. You have to deal with that. Right. But I've overcome that a long time ago. Uh, there's 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 250 people who want to do the right thing. And remember, it's 218 votes is the magic number. The United States House is different than the Senate, where they have to overcome a filibuster. In the United States House, as long as you have a simple majority plus one, without regard to party or region or attitude or whatever, days, weeks, months, but when you get to 218, it happens. We just got to get there. Is it frustrating and I've, I've talked to other house members about this but is it frustrating to have those rules in the house and 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 send bill bill after bill after bill that goes to the senate and just languishes and dies because that's what it, it uh, seems like is happening from outside it, looking in it can be very frustrating i won't deny that i've never been a part of the united states senate i was never part of the state senate of oklahoma i've always been a house member uh so i have a a, the, a commoner's perspective on these things but you just have to work. You just have to work harder. I mean, if you're trying to do the right thing for the right reason, you can still get it done, no matter how complicated it is here. You just have to work harder. You have to work with more people. You have to convince more people. Uh, I've done this on farm bills in the past. I'm working on it on things in the science committee right now. Uh, there's nothing wrong with working hard. Not everybody wants to work hard anymore. But there's nothing wrong with working hard to get something good done. You're, uh, you're, that's so true. You, I, I'm, I'm curious, what else is sort of cooking out there besides the infrastructure stuff? I mean, we're, well, we're, I would, I would remind my fellow constituents and citizens of the third district, uh, no matter what you see on social media, no matter what you see on your iPhone or your, your whatever kind of device, smartphone, if you have an opportunity to be vaccinated for COVID-19, do that. I've been vaccinated. Uh, my spouse has been vaccinated. All my relatives over 65 have been vaccinated. We're in the process of getting everybody else as the eligibility for everyone in Oklahoma to be a, uh, to have a vaccine uh, is available. Doing that, don't have a disease that there's a there's a way to prevent. Don't uh, don't refuse to take the vaccine because remember there was 500,000 Americans who didn't have a chance at a vaccine and they've died. Don't become a part of that list. I know there's concerns about everything and anything, but protect your health and your neighbors and your family and the people you like. Get vaccinated for this stuff. It isn't going away. It isn't going to go away. It's like the flu. It will now be with us forever. I think you're exactly right. The word, the t uh, scientific phrase, the medical phrase is endemic. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I, I have to tell you today I was – I went to the a news conference, first live news conference at the city hall in months. Ah, and the topic okay. was, you know, COVID. But uh, to me, it struck me the fact that we were doing it in the room, in person, was itself a hopeful sign and a sign that, yes, you can do things safely if you take the proper precautions. I came back to the station and I pulled up the, the city's Facebook page to watch the video stream of it and look at some of the comments. And, sir... I'm going to tell you 90% of the comments, and I realize this is not 90% of the population, but 90% of the comments were, were, oh, my God, two of the vaccines have already been shown that they kill people and cause blood clots. That's 50%. You stupid sheeple. You know, why would you be taking this? I'm not letting the government do this. It was, it was frightening. It was disturbing. And, uh, you know, I, and th so thank you, A, for, for imparting that message, and, and, and B, 
How are you talking to your constituents who just think that this is Bill Gates putting microchips into their children? I remind them nothing's perfect, but this has had the most scientific scrutiny of any vaccine that's ever been developed. The reason that it happened faster than the, the development of the vaccine for polio or measles or mumps is we had literally tens of thousands of volunteers who took the initial shots who were studied and are continuing to be studied. We dramatically increased the, the study group to speed up the analysis. It's statistics. It's the way the numbers crunch out. Is everything certain in life? Is No. When you get up out of bed, you're in danger from that moment until you get back to bed that evening. But why take the risk? If one in, if one in a million have a reaction, I worry about that. And that's why we're responding with slowdowns on certain vaccines to verify the situation. But a half a million people who didn't have a choice have died from COVID-19. And some of them have died horribly. Organ failure, uh, literally drowning from the lung scarring, the, 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 the virus affecting their nervous systems and their brain tissue. Don't, don't, don't let that happen to you. Now, I will also acknowledge COVID-19 is a virus, just like the flu, like a variety of things. It will change. We will have to have booster shots, whether it's six months or a year from now. I predict it'll be like, uh, like the flu. Every year there'll be a, a shot that will reflect the most recent uh, variation there. If we don't want to have those kind of issues, then if we could get the entire world to pla practice basic sanitation, washing their hands, covering their face, uh, distancing themselves, uh, doing all of those things they told us in health class when we were in junior high, then we would bring all these diseases under control. But I can't control what my neighbors do. My neighbors can't control, obviously, what I do. So I'm vaccinated. I advocate everybody else be vaccinated and still practice all those safety measures. Sir, you put, it, you put it succinctly and well, and, uh, and I appreciate it. They told me 10 minutes. I've gone 13 because I'm just a greedy SOB, but um, I'll, I'll wrap it up. But I will ask if there's anything else on your mind before we, before we call it a day. Just simply that as crazy as it would appear on television or in the radio newscast or in print uh, here in the nation's capital, there are a whole bunch of us still trying to reflect what our constituents want and need back home, still trying to follow the Constitution, still trying to make this place work. Uh, understand those of us who care aren't going to stop. We're going to keep pushing and fighting because we can't, we can't let the country fall apart. We just can't. Thank you very much, sir. United States Representative, uh, I'm sorry, Frank, excuse me, Frank Lucas from the third congressional district of Oklahoma, uh, which butts right up here on, on Tulsa, if you don't know. I, I, last, I'm one of the three Metro Tulsa one congressmen. One Absolutely. of the three. And uh, I, I so appreciate your time, sir. And we are going to do this more often. This is only like the second time I've talked to you, but um, I always enjoy it. I, I hope you do. I know you've got a vote coming up, so we'll let you go before I get in big trouble. Headed to the floor. Stay Thank safe, you. sir. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to KRMG In-Depth, the podcast. I'm always looking for stories about the people, places, and politics of Oklahoma. I'm easy to find on Facebook, or you can always email me and the entire KRMG news team. The email address is news at krmg.com. 
I'm Russell Mills. Thanks for the listen. 